Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Nicole Smith from Briggs Freeman Sotheby's International, serving the Dallas-Fort Worth area real estate market. Nicole Smith is an agent who believes our homes create the chapters in the story of our lives. From couples seeking a fresh start to families relocating from other parts of the world to clients whose housing needs have changed, Nicole uses her proven expertise and unmatched market knowledge to turn her clients' goals and dreams into reality. As a member of the oldest boutique real estate firm in Dallas, Nicole takes her business to the next level by leveraging the power of a globally recognized brand, Briggs Freeman Sotheby's International, to bring exclusive marketing resources and opportunities to her clientele. She joins us today to discuss her career in real estate and the power of coaching in changing the lives of agents. Now, let's welcome Nicole to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris. Nicole Smith, welcome to today's radio show. I certainly appreciate your time um, being my co-host for the show and giving all of our listeners the opportunity to get to know you. So thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, so we have a lot of ground to cover. I want everyone to get to know you in terms of, you know, basically you're a top producer, you're in Dallas, you've written a book, you've, you've been uh, participating in various, you know, levels of real estate for all your career. So you have a really interesting, diverse background. Um, I guess maybe the best way for us to start is tell them a little bit about the book that you just published. Um, And then, listeners, we're going to be including a link in the show description that you can click, obviously, and go right over to Amazon and buy our book. We're going to talk a little bit about the book throughout the radio show today, and then we're going to get to the specific things, the practical things that all of you guys want to know about. For example, how does she generate leads, you know, all that good stuff. So, First of all, let's discuss your book. Why did you decide to co-author a book? Well, this was really an exciting opportunity. Number one, the book is called Masterminding Our Way. And so I'm a big fan of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich book, and I know that's one of your, your required or slash recommended reading. And so I do that every year, and one of the things that Napoleon Hill talks about is surrounding yourself with people who you can serve and they can serve you, and together you can achieve more. So I've been part of a mastermind group for several years, and one of the other gals and I were together at a conference where they were talking about the power of writing a book. And so we decided right then and there that as a team, as our mastermind group, we should write a book about our experiences and coming together as a mastermind, why each of us did, what each of us gets out of it, and and by the way, that's different for each person, and then followed up with a how to go get your own, how to create your own mastermind group. So it's a, a pretty easy read for someone that might be interested in finding the value of a group of people that they can come together and take their own businesses up a level. So um, she mentioned Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, and you guys should all know by now that Julie and I uh, released a couple years ago a new version of that 
using uh, Napoleon Hill's book as the foundation, but we specifically wrote it for agents. So if you want to get a free copy of that book, all you've got to do is re- request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And literally, we'll send you a link, and you can download the book, and it's Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. Um, so, Or you can, of course, go on Amazon and buy it yourself, but you know, we'll give it to you for free if you request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. So the mastermind concept is very interesting. Um, and it is something that if you have the right mixture of folks in your mastermind, it is something that can be instrumental in continuing um, your success. But the key really is the having the right mix, correct? That is absolutely correct. And the thing about this book, there's a lot of books out there about masterminding, a lot of online sources, resources to to create your own. So we realized that not everybody does it our way. We decided, for example, that we wanted it to be all female. We decided that we wanted it to be all be business owners or commission only type sales. We didn't we just felt like we wanted that type of make-it-happen-for-ourselves kind of mindset. And so it's been fascinating. We have an attorney. We have a, a consultant. We have a Christian counselor. Uh, of course, me, the realtor, the, our CPA. And we started off with two more, but interestingly enough, we found that not all seven of us ended up being the mastermind group that we are today. So you can do any number of ways to make it your own, but this is our story and how we chose to do it, and it works so well for us. Well, as you know, we have um, coaching clients that aren't just real estate folks. We coach folks in different industries. And one of the things agents take for granted is the fact that a lot of the skills, especially our coaching clients are learning, a lot of the skills uh, that they are mastering, hopefully, as being coaching clients are the same exact skills that are applicable to really any industry. So I'm, I'm curious. You're dealing with a lot of, in your mastermind, a lot of folks that are, as you said, entrepreneurs or commission-based salespeople, which in essence are entrepreneurs anyway. Um, what are the commonalities amongst those who are successful? So what we discovered is that we all have a drive that, number one, serves our clients. So first and foremost, we all have that as our foundational belief in our individual businesses. We also realize, number two, that we are responsible individually for making it happen for ourselves and for our families. So we're not we're not wanting to defer to anybody else on that. And number 3 what we found was this has really kind of become our informal board of directors. You know, sometimes as real estate agents or or in your own industry, you have tunnel vision based on what you know or your peers are doing. And what we discovered is having that professional feedback coming in from other sources was tremendous for me specifically. They've given me great feedback on marketing that I never would have thought about. And then, of course, you know, our CPA gives us great feedback on different things we can do financially. So it's just – it's, and I could go through each one of them brings a different gift to this informal board of directors. But that's how, it's, that's how it works for us. Why did you decide to go women, women only? <laughs> you know, that's a great question. I, don't, I can't tell you why for any other reason that this is how it worked for us. Honest answer. I appreciate that. I like how you said the mastermind operates as your board of advisors, too, in essence. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea, and that's definitely something every business owner needs because you're right. We all all get very myopic. We Mm -hmm. we sometimes don't really see the other ideas and the other – and you mentioned that you use them for your marketing. I'm curious what they brought in terms of uh, your thinking – about your own marketing. Talk about that. Your mastermind group who are not in real estate. Yeah, go ahead. 
Well, we make assumptions, right? We're looking at the things we do. We're looking at the things our competitors, in quotation marks, because I believe none of us necessarily compete with one another, right? But but we look at what other realtors are doing in our market, and, and some things work and some things don't work, but we make assumptions based on what we know and what we might respond to as a realtor. But I'm more interested in almost having your own little focus group. I'm interested in what does a consumer who looks at an ad or looks at a card or looks at a direct response type marketing what do they think from it? And it was just fascinating to me some of the feedback that I received that was relevant or wasn't relevant. And, I mean, just totally rocked my world. I had no idea. I'm curious. You're going to have to keep on going down uh, Alice's <laughs> hole right there, to let the, the rabbit hole. Tell us more about what types of things you learned from this group. Like, well, what were the things that they said that? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, specifically, you know, we 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 tend to. Well, there, there's some people that the that. that promote I'm number one, right? And then there's other people who don't promote themselves at all. And what we found in this group was that there, enough, there needed to be some promotion, but it needed to be worded specifically as it related to the consumer. Nobody cares that you're number one at this or you're number one at that. What they care about is what results you get for your clients. And so there was just some, some tweaking of languaging, and I, and I can't point to the specific piece that I'm, I'm referring to in, right this minute, but, but it really did change the way I looked at, at what I promote to the clients that I want to serve, as opposed well, to you, know, you do have to credentialize yourself as an expert, but not in a braggy kind of way as much as an ability-to-serve kind of way. Right, and that says you know what we teach coaching clients too. When they're planning on doing any sort of marketing and they're trying to decide what their USPs are going to be in their individual market, it's not good enough just to say, this is, you know, I am number one. You have to tell the consumer how that benefits them, right? Absolutely. You know, I sold more 100%. houses. I, I sold more houses in you know, Oakhurst subdivision than anybody else. This is how it benefits you. And if you don't really get to the benefits, they're just going to see you as a flake. And, and the exactly consumer right. might. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the marketing that uh, agents still do to this day is taken from stuff that was real popular in the '80s, believe it or not. And it's never mm-hmm. really been updated. And anymore, you're right. Consumers are trying to make fast, quick decisions about whether they want to do business with you, and it's really all about what's in it for them. And if you're not hitting that on the head right away, what's in it for me? I'm not going to listen to you. So that's really powerful. So let's pivot. Let's talk about real estate. You and I were talking prior to the show today about the real estate markets in Texas. Oh, my gosh. It's incredible. What's going on in Dallas? Oh, my gosh. It's fantastic. I will say this, though. I've been in this business for 20 years right here in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And over 20 years, we have had a slow and steady kind of market, 2 to 3% appreciation per year on average for the last 20 years. But what, what we're experiencing right now doesn't tell the whole story in that we peaked here in 07, so we're a little bit behind some of the markets that, that may be listening today. We declined in 08 and 09, and we were flat in 10, 11, and 12. But starting in 2012, the demand for our real estate continued to increase such that we've had record-breaking years for each of the last four years. So in that period of 2008 to 2012, when the market was really in a slump, builders pretty much stopped building, developers pretty much stopped developing, but meanwhile, the population continued to increase. So where we are today is our apartments are 90-something percent occupied, rental properties are 90-something percent occupied, and we're seeing appreciation to the tune of 5 to 7 or even 10 percent per year, year over year, for the last three or four years. So for the first time in a long time, people could buy and sell within the matter of 12 to 24 months and actually make money. So it's been very exciting. Now, the flip side of that is our buyers are competing 
multiple offers at or above list price. So that creates a different set of challenges than we've ever had to deal with before, but it's a lot of fun. Well, I mean, there was an interesting article on Inman, um, and those of you who are new listeners, you guys will know that we're huge supporters of Inman Select, and if you're not a member of Inman Select, you're kind of missing the, uh, frankly, one of the greatest opportunities to learn about what's happening next in real estate, so definitely check that out. There's also a link to uh, become a member of Inman Select where they'll give you 30 days for free, so you can kind of check it out on your own and decide if it's for you or not. That's going to be in today's show description. But I was reading on Inman Select, and it was uh, they're uh, quoting some agents from Houston in particular. And, you know, as a real estate coach, this won't be new information to you. But it's almost like people say, well, you know what, the super hot seller's market is great if you're a seller. But from an agent's perspective, it just kind of sucks because, I mean, in a super hot seller's market, um, the sellers know that the house is basically – price them right, condition them, locate, you know, they're going to sell pretty quick, not a lot of effort needed. That's just, you know, the nature of a seller's market. But the buyers are just getting their butts kicked, and sellers that want to move up to something, they are panicking because they can't find something to buy. So when a super hot seller's market on one side of it, it's like, well, if you own real estate and you're looking to sell, fantastic. But pretty much everybody else, it's not so great. And it's a hot seller's market because there's a lack of inventory, like you were just expressing. So when you're dealing with those move-up buyers, the buyers that you know have a great sellable house, but they're panicking about where they're going to go next, how do you overcome that situation? Well, that's a great question, and it really is the bulk of, the, of my business now that I've been doing this for about 20 years. A lot of the clients that I represent are doing multiple transactions, selling one, buying another. In the perfect scenario, they position themselves financially to where they can buy their next house before they sell their existing home. Now, obviously, that's not, that's not possible for a lot of people. So plan A is find a way to buy your next house so that you can compete for that particular house. You're not going to be able, probably, to, to, to buy your next home contingent upon the sale of your existing home. It could happen, and it sometimes happens, but rarely. So that's first and foremost, number one. Now, if they can't do that, then a lot of the times what we're recommending that they do is find a temporary situation. Or if we're really, really fortunate, we've been successful in generating those multiple offers for their sale of their home that first weekend. And because we have the leverage of negotiating multiple contracts or having multiple contracts to choose from, we try to find the one that will enable them to lease back 30 to 45 days after the closing of their home. So that frees up capital, and it also allows them to compete when they're looking to buy their next home. Basically, buys them a little bit of time. So that's been well, one, two successful. Yeah, strategies, that's a great I idea. Well, I was just, I was just thinking. You know, it's actually the, the irony of the the mortgage, you know, rules the way they work now, where most things are going to take 60 days to close. Kind of works in the favor in your favor if you're a seller panicking about where you're going to move next. What's going on with new construction up in Dallas? I mean, Julie and I were driving around Austin. Regular listeners know that Julie and I live near Austin. We are driving around, and there is just new construction everywhere. It's almost like it's overwhelming. Up in Williamson County, there were new subdivisions everywhere. Um, down in uh, downtown Austin, everywhere there were cranes. It, <laughs> I've never seen anything outside of maybe certain uh, stretches of Vegas that had this fast of development. Almost like you're kind of thinking, well, maybe there's going to be an oversupply of new homes and condos, but you know the exact same thing that's happening in Dallas has ha- happened in Austin, where there's more essentially folks that want to buy than there are properties for sale. So, what's going on with new construction? How are you incorporating that into your into your business? 
Well, the same thing is happening here that you're describing there, and literally every time you turn around, there's a new subdivision going on. Now, I live in the heart of the Metroplex, and so a lot of this has been built out in the 80s and 90s and even 2000 to 2010. So the primary areas that are really, really booming as far as construction goes, they're going to be 45 minutes to an hour outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, which is kind of the center of this. So what we're seeing is people are more apt to move closer to where they work, whereas in the past they might buy in a central location with the expectation of a 30 to 45 minute commute. But mobility is becoming an issue in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, just like it is in other urban areas, and so that's going to continue to play out. But to your point, all kinds of new construction. So it's very important to us that as we're representing buyers and trying to uncover new sources of inventory, that we not just look at what listed, but that what's listed on MLS. You know, that we're uncovering, we're staying in communication with the builder reps. We know who's building in and around our market, so to stay on top of what inventory is available. Not many spec homes that, like they used to have inventory homes available, very few of those anymore. So the opportunity exists to connect with those builder reps so that the primary opportunity in something like that is if somebody's contracted to build, but then they get out of the contract for some reason, that's really the only time we see almost completed inventory. Otherwise, they're contracting at dirt to build, and that's a nine- to 12-month window of time. But we definitely kind of feel on, a lot of that. You touched on something interesting right there. You said that, in essence, the people's mindset before was they'd be okay to drive 30 to 45 minutes if they worked downtown. But now that same – I think what you meant was now that that same distance or that, like, if they were living before 30 miles away from where they worked – Maybe it took them 30 to 45 minutes to get to work. But now what I'm hearing you say is because of the added traffic and obviously population, now that same drive is taking an hour. And so people's uh, willingness to drive that distance every day has essentially evaporated, thus creating more demand for stuff that's closer to the city. Is that what you were saying? Exactly, yes. And, you know, that's something that our listeners need to take into consideration, um, you know, if they're purchasing real estate themselves. Um, or obviously working with buyers, if you're in a market like Dallas, Houston, Austin, where things are growing so quick, a 30-minute drive probably within the next five years is going to turn into a half-hour, 45-minute, I'm sorry, a 45-minute or an hour drive. So, you know, those are interesting little. So why is Dallas, why is Austin, why is Texas so hot? What's going on? I know um, it's funny I said this to uh, Brad Inman, and he actually didn't think it was true. He thought he was making it up. But, you know, the fact that Austin was voted the number one tech city in the nation, um, and it was even now, it's even seen higher than San Francisco, than the Bay Area, in terms of tech jobs, in terms of future development around the tech sector. So Dallas, what's going on there? Why is that market so hot? Well, for, it's probably not a fair question, or I'm not a fair person to answer this question because I am a fifth-generation Texan. So, of course, uh, Texas would be <laughs> the place everybody should and want to live, right? But, but, but truthfully, I think what the, the dynamics that I describe to the clients who ask me questions like, do you think this will continue, or what do you see right around the corner, where I always answer, gosh, wouldn't it be nice if we had a crystal ball? Right, but, but truly, the dynamics that created the market that we're experiencing and have experienced for the last several years will continue. Dallas has a very diversified economy. So whereas some air, other areas may be heavily weighted toward tech or, 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 or some other industry specific, we are highly diversified. You know, the opportunity to hear a gentleman who brought a worldwide headquarters to this area a few years ago, and he basically said they did a nationwide search. The central standard time zone is ideal for communication worldwide. 
that having an international airport where you can go anywhere within a 16-hour flight, if you will, is, is critical. The mild weather, and I know when, you, <laughs> when I say mild, it's all relative because we've had such a hot summer, but the mild weather is appealing. And then more than anything, and this is where I think more businesses are coming this direction, is Texas has a very low cost of living because we don't have a state income tax. So the majority of people that I see coming this direction are coming from states in the U.S. and, for that matter, worldwide, where the tax rates have gotten to be ridiculous. So, all, and, and, and housing is still affordable. The average price in the Metroplex right now in the Dallas-Fort Worth area is $250,000. And that, by the way, is up 20% over that same number three years ago. And for that, you can get a nice four-bedroom home in a safe area with excellent public schools and that is that excites people. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, Julie and I were out looking at real estate. We were looking for investment properties, and we were coming across subdivision after subdivision, just north, 30 miles north of Austin. In Austin, a little tiny, thousand square foot, you know, made of cinder block house is 450 grand. In certain parts of Austin, listeners, if you guys didn't know this, it's like California pricing. It's really unbelievable. Um, whereas 30 miles away. Up in Williamson County, you could buy a really fantastic house for two fifty, three fifty, even four hundred thousand dollars. And there's uh, the, the really amazing thing. You and I are going to talk on and on about Texas, which is going to bore people, except for <laughs> Texans, of course. But the nice thing about Texas, unlike other parts of the country that we've been to, is Texas builds the roads and really nice ones at that way before the development happens, so they don't have to play catch up. And so even if you're living thirty miles from downtown Austin, um, you know you there's there's three toll roads to get down, or two toll roads and uh, you know one non-toll road, so you can get down there a number of different ways. And that, you know, anyway, we're, I don't want to be a big Texas fanboy, but <laughs> there it is. I'm still impressed with the fact that you're a fifth-generation Texan, by the way. I still think that's cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, in this in this economy, in this market, with this many, uh, well, you know what? You actually said something else. I'm going to drill down on this question. International buyers, California. Um, you know, coaching clients and a lot of the ones in New York and Miami, they're always telling the story about international buyers. Chinese buyers right now have returned to the United States because they're worried about the uh, Chinese economy. We're hearing from, you know, you have coaching clients, you know, you're hearing this as well, from all coasts of the hottest markets that folks are seeing the uh, international buyers return. Texas, for the most part, has international buyers, but the growth is not based on um, – international buyers bringing their money here just to put it in a safe place. It's, growth, it's based on the growth of the economy. But have you guys seen that type of buyer activity in, in Dallas? Absolutely. And to your point, they're not just parking their money here. They are bringing their families here. They are, they are moving here with companies who are employing them here, and they tend to target the top, top school districts. So what, when we see that there is a – we're seeing more and more of a concentration in, in individual pockets and areas where we're seeing that some of the international fla flavor is coming in and is concentrating, it's because the schools are great. So they are bringing cash money, so that, that's interesting because certainly I will also say that the, the agents who cater to, that, to individual uh, nationalities within that international piece – they're trying to do business the way their clients do business elsewhere. So there's a little bit of a, a training process of, of you know, we're going we're gonna to do business the American way, but we love the money that you're bringing into this market. And we love to do business with any and all nationality because of 
all the different things that that brings into our market, we're definitely seeing a lot of families move to this area. Fantastic. So you're in one of the hottest markets in the country. You're one of the best realtors in Texas, if not one of the best realtors in the nation. How do you do it? Let's go through a lightning round. I'm going to ask some nice practical questions that I'm sure a majority of our listeners are going to want to know the answers to. And remember, you know, this is a our coaching program is focused on obviously making agents uh, help them to you know, adopt the mindset of being of service to others and make money. But really, the focus of our organization, as you know, is to help agents build businesses that produce profit, right? So let's focus in the the remaining time, let's focus on some practical advice for all of our listeners. So I'm just going to ask you a series of questions and you just tell me what comes to your mind the quickest, okay? Okay. Okay. All right. So um, if you could only choose uh, three sources of lead generation, that's it. You could only choose three, what would they be? Oh, that's a test because, you know, one of the things we work on in coaching is, is developing numerous spokes on the wheel. So so I'm, I'm, I'm working. My focus has been on growing this. But if I had to narrow it down, first and foremost, it's past clients and sphere of influence. And obviously that makes sense for people who've been in business for a while. But as a new agent, it's obviously sphere of influence. That's number one first and foremost, because it always goes back to the relationship. Number two, I would have focused more on listings from the beginning. Now, I got into the business when we didn't have Internet, so buyers were more fun, but I would have focused more on list, on listings. So that would be calling your unrepresented buyers, the expired listings, the et cetera. So, so definitely number two would be listings. And number three is business-to-business networking, and then not just making appearances at business-to-business networking events, but really digging deep relationally with the people who are influencers in your community. Love it. And I appreciate the fact that you're using all the Harris parlance. That's important, too. So <laughs> uh, w- with regards to centers of influence and past clients, um, what do you specifically do? Okay, I believe that how you do anything is how you do everything. And so one of the things that the clients that I have served can absolutely 100% count on with me no matter what is a monthly letter of some sort that encapsulates the market. So my my goal is to convey to them my competence in this market but also how much I care about them. And so they get something from me every single month no matter what. I think that's important. Yeah, it, you know, what you just said the last little bit was – the fact is that they know they can count on it. Even if they don't look at it, they're going to see it. You know, they're going to know that you're reliable. They're, you're just proving that you're doing what you say you're going to do. And for most people, that isn't a reason enough to use you. All right. So you said business to business networking. What were you talking about with that? Well, a couple of things. One is when you're starting off, and certainly when and when I got really deep into this, it was when the market was pretty slow here. So I had a lot of time on my hands. I didn't want to spend a lot of money. So the time that I had, I chose to invest in the Chamber of Commerce and the community that I lived in. I didn't do a lot of business in at that time because I was busy working elsewhere. So that was an opportunity to not just attend the luncheons of the Chamber, but I actually got involved as an ambassador and then ended up chairing that committee and then ultimately was able to serve on the board of directors of the Chamber. So that's an opportunity that that takes time, and you don't just get that when you show up for lunch once a month. So you do have to dig deep. Through that, through that, there was offshoots of different networking type groups. The ones, some of them are nationally based, where you write checks to those companies. But, but it is important to to create relationships with people. And where that, where I use that in my business to business networking was, 
I want to be the fo- I want to be the pivot point for my clients when they move into this area. I want to be the person they call when they need a referral to anybody, and I want to refer my clients to people that I know and trust, not just somebody that I've Googled that morning. So my opportunity where I saw the value of networking was to create relationships with people that I could refer my people to. And so it was really nice win-win. But that's where I would start. The second place is if there's any opportunity to join a local Toastmasters group, I highly recommend that too. Not so much just for the business-to-business part of it, but because it, it helps your ability to communicate with people effectively. And that is a – I believe Toastmasters is the best bang for the personal growth and development buck. And you do, in the process, create relationships with people that ultimately turn into business. So those are the two things I would recommend for business to business. What role has uh, coaching played in your career? And do you remember the definitive moment when you said to yourself, it's time to hire a coach? I have been coaching. I've been in some form of coaching since the day I started selling real estate. Now, I wish your coaching program would have been available 20 years ago, although I do remember seeing you at the Howard Brenton thing in San Francisco in the late 90s. So, um, so I don't know, maybe it was there and I just missed out. But, um, but coaching has always played a, played a big role because my belief is we can't get there alone. All of the top athletes, all of the top superstars in any industry have somebody outside of them helping them work on their business while they're working in it. So I have, I have been coached by some of the top coaching organizations, but, but when I found you guys, I, I knew I'd found my home because you offer not only the relational piece of it, which I think is the foundation of my business, but also the hands-on. And the website and all, all that you offer to your coaching students I think is such a tremendous value, and I use it every day in my business. So I love, and then of course I have the one-on-one with my coach, uh, even to this day, who who is one of your best, and I appreciate that as well. Coaching is critical. Uh, you just can't do this by yourself. Well, it, you know, it's interesting is that uh, a lot of folks um, realize that and they know that and they want to have a coach and they see the benefit of it. Of it and they, uh, you just said something too, real estate coaching essentials, which in essence is everything you need for your real estate business. It's all the pre-listing packs, the scripts, the all the everything. Um, and, you know, it's taken years and years and years to put all that information together. It's all copyrighted. It's all original. It's all, you know, stuff that we know works in every market and every price range. Why do some agents – and, well, you know, I'm going to make it more personal. So did you ever resist the idea of following a system, or were you just basically both feet in right from day one? Well, I, I mean – I, I like the idea of a system. I've been resistant to certain to certain things that have pushed me outside of my comfort zone. So I can't say, but I but I will say I've always been very coachable. I want to know the right way to do it. I want to know the most efficient, most effective way to do it. And if you've already done it for me, I'm not going to go spend my time and energy to recreate the wheel. So having the easily followed system scripts, et cetera, I mean, that's just made my life so much easier. Why do you think some agents have the mindset that they'll just figure it out on, on their own? Why do you think people, some people think like that? Um, I can't say for sure because I'm, I'm not, I don't think that way. But I do know, you know, investing in ourselves, I think, is something that, that some people are hesitant to do. And I've been fortunate slash unfortunate, however you want to look at it. I've been single the vast majority of my real estate career. So I didn't have to go sell to somebody else who 
had control over my finances, why I think this is a good investment, right? But what I know is every every single dollar I've spent on coaching, on on seminars, on workshops, on books, has paid off dividends. I think was it Jim Rohn that said, you know, you can invest in yourself or invest in your job or something. I'm obviously not doing a great job with that quote, but 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 that is that is the best money you can possibly spend. That is where you will get the the exponential returns. So I, I, I think the people that I know that hesitate are afraid to spend the money, and I guess my thought has always been I can't afford not to, right? It's like if this is going to make me, if this is going to bring me, you know, one more transaction over the course of this year, then it's a win because it's not just this first year. It's the it's the exponential, the, the, the compound effect, if you will, of not just this year, but what I learned this year is going to serve me next year and the next year and the next year. So I, I mean, I can't imagine why somebody wouldn't, but but that's that's the one and only, that's the one and only resistance I hear, and and I think that that's or, something if they just tried they would see the results. All right, Nicole, do you mind if we go a little long? Sure. Okay, cool. So are you? I know you're somebody. I don't even ask this question, but I know you're somebody who sets goals. Um, how do you? And I know you obviously you have um, a coach with us, and you are. A coach with us so you have a coach and you are a coach and I'm sure a lot of listeners listening right now would be like bouncing off the walls because they'd love to have you as their coach and, and guys that's certainly an option for you so the question I have for you is when you're when you're setting goals for yourself um, how do you go about choosing what are the goals that are most important like you, you and I were just talking about why some agents resist the idea of really taking their businesses to the next level by following a proven path and really isn't it at the end of the day because they're fearful of actually committing to something that might put them in their comfort zone. Like if you had a coach that was telling you to do certain things uh, when you didn't want to do them, you know, at a certain level to get results, that in, for a lot of folks is too intimidating because they don't really have very uh, – they don't have goals that they truly believe in them that are, that are driving them, things that they're looking forward to, things that maybe outside of our industry that they're passionate about. It could be their families. It could be going on vacations or whatever. So what – role do goals play in your life and how often do you reset them and how do you talk about that well I, I think you're right on you're right on track with all this I think it's important that we have goals and not just in our business but in all areas of our lives but but all areas of our lives require the funding are and so where you know so it, to me it kind of all comes together and, and I know one of the things we talked about is balance uh, t- talked about as coaches is balance and things like that but but truly the priority of in our earning years of generating income so that we can do those things that we are passionate about is so critical it is no fun if you can't afford in quotation marks to do what you want to do so goals are critical to me not just in business but in all areas and I actually review those goals every single morning I was turned on to the Miracle Morning, whenever that came out, I was listening to that podcast, which, by the way, is how I found you guys, too, was through your podcast. And since I started doing that process several years ago, um, it has made all the difference in the world. So as I make my decisions about how to block my time or who to spend my time with or which projects to spend my energies on, I, I always line it up because I've started fresh that morning just remembering what's most important to me in all areas of my life, not just business. And as it, in uh, Coaching Clients, that's one of our recommended books, so just get that from the reading list. It's just called The Miracle Morning, great book. Um, so you, let's talk about The Miracle Morning. Let's talk about the things that you prioritize every single day, because one of the things, Nicole, as you know, is that we uh, focus agents on um, 
living a very productive business life where they really focus on the three to five things that they're going to do every day at the highest level, right? So really at the end of the day, your list, your, your life isn't about an endless list of to-dos. It's about mastering and, and, and at, at the highest level possible doing three to five things every day. What are your three to five things that you do every single day at the highest level and no matter what, those things are going to get done? Only three? <laughs> <laughs> we're so we're so limited. No, but truly, I wait. I mean, that, I do the Miracle Morning every day, and sometimes it's a six-minute version because I don't always have sixty minutes, right? But but it's always reviewing those things that are most important to me. It's always spending some time, quiet time, um, with my Creator, and I do some level of physical fitness every day. Sometimes more than others, um, and then and then I I set about to serve my clients. So. Those are the things, you know, as far as from a business perspective, one of the things, one of my personal business practices is I don't go to, I don't quit work until I've returned every phone call that came in that day. And I tell my clients sometimes, you know, my business days go long, but you will hear from me on the day you called. And if you don't, you better reach out back, you know, email me or something because for some reason I missed the call. So that, that is definitely a personal business standard that I always do no matter what. Did that answer your question? You did. So here's what I heard you say. You, you have some form of physical activity. You pray. Um, you review your goals. And I also heard you say, which is really important, that you make sure you return all phone calls and all emails every single day. I'm sure that there's other standards that you have for yourself, but that, that's a good starter list right there for sure. So, Nicole, why you? Great market. Um, 20 years success in this industry. Why you? Why is it that you've been successful or so many other agents have, have uh, struggled? It, failure wasn't an option, and so I think that's first and foremost is I never gave myself permission, even during the years when the market was really, really bad and really, really difficult. I never gave myself an out. I never – I would I actually I would drive down the main street and think, gosh, what would I do if I didn't sell real estate? Nope, can't think of anything. Okay, next deal. <laughs> and so I just never gave myself permission to, to think anything otherwise. But more importantly, when the times got really, really difficult – I would always put myself into that place of service. You know, I've, I've worked really hard to get really good at what I do, and I owe it to my clients to be there for them when they need me. And it's my job to remind them that I exist, that I'm here. It's not their job to wake up each day and figure out how, I, how I'm going to pay my mortgage payment. And so that really, it, it really is the clients that drive me and just wanting to serve them at a really, really high level. So that mindset of service, was that something that you learned uh, to have as your mantra, or is that something you came to after years and uh, really decades in the industry? How did that? Where did that come about? <laughs> I learned it initially. I just wanted to make a lot of money, <laughs> so I didn't have real altruistic thoughts early on in my process. I just wanted to do deals and just wanted to, you know, check the box. But, but it didn't take long to realize that just just doing the deal that it just began the relationship, and so. So it, it actually did evolve over time, but certainly in the last 10, 15 years where that's really been my course of study on how best to use my gifts is where the service has come from. You know, it's interesting, too, when you have that mindset of service, um, when you're focusing on how to help the other person. Like I can tell by the words you're choosing, you're not really thinking about yourself on this radio show. You're thinking about how can I say things that are going to be the most impactful on all the, you know, 
listeners, and I I feel that vibe from you, and I know that's how, and having met you, having had you at a coach's training, having heard from your coaches what a great agent you are and a great human you are, you know, I know those things are true. You really do come from a place of service. But here's the irony, guys. When you have the mindset of service, and this isn't just words, it's really focusing on how can you be of service to the other person, the money flows so much easier than when you're focusing on the money. It's ironic. I don't understand it, you know. When you're thinking yeah. about how can I be of service to the other person, you know, what am I here to do? I'm here to serve other folks. How can I be the best agent I possibly can? So when you have that mindset, everything else becomes easier. The resistance to learning a presentation, the resistance to doing lead follow-up, the resistance to calling. You heard Nicole say this earlier. Um, she referred to a for sale by owner as an unrepresented owner because that's really what they are. The resistance to doing all the things that you know agents resist, it just melts away because you're not thinking about yourself. You've disengaged your ego, and you're now focusing on what you could do to help the other person. If there's, I think, a, the, that's probably the most impactful takeaway from today's radio show. Um, Nicole, listen, I really appreciate you being my co-host today. Thank you very much for being one of our, I'm sure you'll be quickly become one of our favorite coaches here. Um, and listeners, if you want to learn more about Nicole, you can click on the link in the book and learn more about masterminding. Masterminding is something that obviously we're big advocates of, um, and you can uh, learn how to be part of a mastermind as a coaching client. You can obviously buy Nicole's book. Um, and if you want to get uh, Think and Grow Rich for real estate, all you've got to do is request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Nicole, anything else you'd like to say to the listeners as we round the bend on today's show? No, I just think if they don't already have a coach, they certainly need to get one, and certainly all that all that this organization offers is just absolutely priceless. Thank you, Nicole, and have a fantastic day. And listeners, we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. So like a lot of you, our business is growing quickly. I mean, matter of fact, since the beginning of the year, we have added between coaches and salespeople over 50 people. And one of the constant challenges we have is, like you, communication. So how do we all keep in contact with each other? We have actually upgraded our entire systems to VTech phones. Now, I personally was very fearful of getting into the whole, you know, figuring out what phone system to use. And I was very tempted to even do what a lot of you are probably doing, just say, well, the heck with it. I'm just going to go with the cell phone and use that for everything. But unfortunately, cell phones have a lot of limited use. The drop calls, the receptions, the audio quality, all that good stuff. That's the reason that we are looking for a really great solution, and we went with VTech phones. And now the wonderful thing about VTech phones, and I'm going to give you guys some more specific, specific information about that now, is that they're just so easy to use. They're just plug and play. You don't need an IT guy. You don't need to call out you know, your phone guy. It's simple. It's an elegant solution that all of you need to seriously consider, whether it's just you and an assistant, or it's you and your in your team, or frankly, the VTech four line small business phone system might even be perfect if you are working out of your house and use it as your home phone. VTech's new four line small business phone system is the perfect solution for small business owners that need to install a phone system that has the qualities and features that they have previously only been available for companies with bigger budgets. The new system is the most affordable and easy to install four line system on the market. The four line small business phone system components include the main console and the optional of expandable cordless desk sets, cordless accessory handsets, cordless headsets, and speaker phones, allowing the system to grow alongside a business up to 10 extensions. The VTech four-line small business phone system components are available in stores and online at Office Depot, Office Max, and Staples, as well as online at vtechphones.com. 
This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.